Ophelia, the heart of the storm. The heart of the storm Ophelia was a bit further down than where we was, but as a caution, many things, schools, daycare centers, banks, etc., closed. The extra rain and wind knocked the butterflies off whatever course they were supposed to be on. I was standing out in the rain, which my grandma Betty Lou says I don't have enough sense to come out of, and giving them little butterflies sugar water whenever they blow down to my feet. Also, there were toads everywhere and tree frogs too. Not that I really know the difference. But one is kind of horny and dry and the other has this slick, luminescent green skin. I love that word. I read it in something. Luminescent. Glowing like a beer sign on a foggy night. I was not really sure why they were hopping about in a crazed way, but I put them in a tub to keep them safe and call them some bugs for them. They seemed happy and don't ask me how I knew toads was happy, except I did. Then it got still, real still, like the whole world was holding its breath, and then it rained some more, but the worst was over and people started coming out and moving about. Richard III was still hunkering down in his duct tape bunker. Back home, he and his family have canned food and a six-month supply of water in case of the apocalypse. And my lack of panic really bugged him. I was going to a poetry jam later that night, and he was upset because I was not more worried about a storm I couldn't control. He can look surprisingly sweet with his pleasant features and welcoming smile. Until I look in his eyes, which he is sure I am wrong. They were dark windows looking in on an empty room. When I told him if he wasn't going to drive me to this poultry jam, I was going to take the trolley. New Orleans has all sorts of trolleys running up and down the roads, and I could just as well take one of them. That's when he called me stupid. It was too dangerous, he said. The hurricane could come and rip that trolley off its tracks, just like the tornado in the Wizard of Oz, and settle it down who knew where. I tried not to get into it with him, and I have to confess up that I may indeed make stupid choices, but I do not choose stupid as a lifestyle. I think that's all the difference. I look at the bigger picture. Maybe the reason I'm so calm is that me and my family moved around so much when I was little. I have done the hurricane bit twice, blizzards too, and tornadoes, but so far I missed earthquakes. Though once I was visiting friends in San Diego, California, and two days after I left, they had a mild earthquake. Just my luck to miss the only natural disaster I ain't experienced yet. But I figure nothing in life is non-threatening. You can think you're safe and then choke to death on a chicken bone. Being careful is good, but so is living until you die. To make Richard more comfortable, I'd have to basically erase, well, everything about me, which is a horrible thought. When he saw I wasn't impressed by how dangerous a streetcar was, he gave me a 25-minute lecture on how expensive the trolley is, nine bucks or something. But my point is not to ride the trolley every day, but just to ride it once, just to know I rode it. It's like being in Philly and not seeing the Liberty Bell, which is actually a good example since he and I were both in Philadelphia and he wouldn't take me to see the Liberty Bell. So I went by myself, so he should know better. I suppose it is just in man's nature to change what they do not fully understand, but not to change ourselves. In order to care for me, he needed to control me. I don't always understand everyone I care about, but I have no desire to change them. Except my grandma Betty Lou, I would make her mute, but I'm just being mean. And that's when Richard III asked me to marry him. Well, it was sort of marry him, but not like we'd be together man and woman, husband and wife, like, not for a while anyways. You see, Richard III believed that God commanded mankind, which also included women, only he didn't say so, to procreate. And if he weren't intended to be procreating, he had no business lying down with women, as it says in the good book. 
So Richard's idea was that we could get ourselves married, but not to do nothing about it, but live together as pure as brother and sister for maybe 10 years or so till it was time for us to start a family. And then I'll only do just enough to get us some kids. He said he was patient and will wait for my answer and not to expect one right then and there. And that's when I wrote me a poem. Of course, if the third got wind of what I was doing, making use of his proposal to create a piece of poetry, that would just let us to stupid fight number 99 with him going on about simple poems and not being worthy. And I would have said that the simplest of poets lived a quiet life at 208 Main Amherst, Massachusetts. And she was so simple, she was beyond deep with such thoughts as, I'm nobody, who are you? Are you nobody too? And when she died, they found 1,775 poems. So if I have to try for years to get even one okayish one, good old Emily Dickinson would understand, even if the third does not. So you see, my angry compelled me to finish my writing of my poem.